100%. If there's one thing I learned from those camps is that kids don't want to sit and be lectured to for an hour. They want to be out there doing stuff. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. This is Annalise Corbin, Chief Goddess of the Past Foundation and your host. We hear frequently that the global education system is broken. In fact, we spend billions of dollars trying to fix something that's actually not broken at all, but rather irrelevant. It's obsolete. A hundred years ago, it functioned fine. So let's talk about how we reimagine, rethink, and redesign our educational system. Well, this is Annalise Corbin, um, back again for Learning Unboxed. We're back in the studio today, and I'm excited, as always, to have two amazing guests. And we are going to talk about ag education and the infinite possibilities of careers that are available, quite frankly, exploring ag. And so with us today um, are my guests, Chris Baker. Uh, Chris is the executive director of the Ohio Farm Bureau Foundation. And uh, the Ohio Farm Bureau Foundation and ancillary um, organization, the Federation, which Chris will explain how that all works, are the um, the brainchilds behind a notion of this program called Explore Ag that we're going to talk about today. And joining us is uh, Marissa Mulligan, who is extension educator with 4-H Youth Development and the Explore Ag program within Ohio State Extension. Do I have that correct, Marissa? Yeah, specifically in Franklin County. Yeah, so it's a big uh-huh. giant lion thing. And so <laughs> Marissa um, has actually been involved um, with the actual implementation of the program on the ground piece. And so I'm really excited to have both of you uh, today to talk about Explore Ag. So thank you for being here. Thanks thank for having you. us. So I want to start, Chris, with you. And I, I really want you to, first and foremost, let's talk about the notion of why the Ohio Farm Bureau Foundation said, hey, we need to get in the middle of career development and workforce development and career exploration. I think lots of folks don't necessarily think about Farm Bureau in that space. So why? Absolutely. Well, a lot of it has to do with the uh, realities as they present themselves to our our partners. So the Ohio Farm Bureau Foundation is the philanthropic arm of the Ohio Farm Bureau Federation. Uh, So that's the state's largest membership organization really focused on uh, agricultural producers, commodity groups, uh, everybody from your small organic farmer to the large row crop or, you know, operations that you may uh, drive by. And uh, almost universally across the board, everybody's in a little bit of a tight space when it comes to, uh, you know, labor. It's certainly one of the things that we, you know, acknowledge. So as our foundation was putting together our priorities several years ago, that was one of several topics that was on the horizon. Uh, And as we dug in a little bit uh, more, we decided that that was really the thing that we wanted to focus on. So that kind of became our uh, clarion call. And uh, since then, we've done a lot to uh, engage partners, including uh, Ohio State uh, Extension, as you you know, going to hear a little bit more about. But in the beginning, it really uh, started with you know meeting the needs that uh, our agricultural producers and food processors, everyone within the farm and food community, was uh, seeing in regards to labor. And labor, this this comes back to lots of conversations that we've had on this program. From a workforce development standpoint, there there are very few industries in this country that are not 
facing a labor crisis right now. This is ubiquitous to what's happening in our country and lots of places around the globe. So it's intriguing and interesting to me as we continue with these conversations, you know, how many places are are, are wrestling with, with these very ideas. Um, so Marissa then, so first and foremost, is the notion, at least in the U.S., and I don't want to preface this because we have listeners all over the world, um, mm. So, but within the U.S., there are county extension agents from an ag sort of perspective all over the U.S. Is correct? We have yeah. this correct, right. So any you, anybody in the U.S. anywhere could find their local extension agent. Those resources are available. So as an extension agent, what does it mean that you do? And that's part one of my question. I like mm-hmm. to t- torture my guests with multiple part questions. <laughs> and the other piece is, do we see similar types of things in other parts of the world or is this unique to the U.S.? Yeah. So the first part of that being an extension educator. So I'm specifically in youth development, even more specifically workforce development. But um, a lot of what my colleagues do is 4-H. So engaging children in 4-H projects, anywhere from livestock to cloth projects, things like that. And also Extension has an arm that is directly related to education for farmers. So Extension Educator can mean a lot of things, but all of it is facilitated through your land-grant university. So mine specifically is Ohio State, um, but there are other land-grant universities in every Mm -hmm. um, state across the nation, and you can facilitate finding your Extension agent through them. Um, As for the world, I'm not quite sure. Um, If we're talking about Extension, uh, I don't think so, Mm because I don't think land-grant universities exist. I could be wrong. But as for labor... I think every situation in every country is so different that they might have labor concerns, but they might be different than our labor concerns. Sure, sure. But agriculture generally, globally, is one of those things that everybody is working on. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So there'd be a variety of resources depending on where you are. Definitely. So, Chris, then as the Farm Bureau makes the decision that they want to actually fund a program to tackle agricultural workforce development. So... What does that look like? How do you decide you want to fund this versus that? I want to get into the specifics of what the board actually put resources and dollars towards building. Yeah. So right off the bat, uh, we committed to two paths. The first was uh, we felt it was important that we we try to uh, engage uh, using our broad network uh, a little bit, and that's where we you know, first started getting into the space with some programming around Explore Ag. And originally, that started this past year with uh, a total of two summer camps. Uh, and the idea was that we would bring in students that had an interest in the STEM-related fields and really put them through, uh, you know, twelve-hour-a-day programming where we're presenting STEM topics solely through the lens of food and agriculture. Mm -hmm. So we started that out just to have some representation in the programmatic, you know, space. Uh, So that was, that was one of our uh, initial approaches. The second was to put together a large grant opportunity and ask others to bubble up their solutions as well, too. So we, we funded a hundred thousand dollar RFP and put that out uh, last year in the hopes of, you know, having other organizations take a look at this and see if we could create youth pathways to careers and food and agriculture, you know, jobs. And ultimately, we ended up funding two grants, mm-hmm. uh, one uh, to Ohio FFA uh, Foundation. So they have a, a program focused on uh, bringing career opportunities to a middle school uh, age audience. 
Uh, and interestingly enough, the second program that we funded, which was uh, a partnership between the Green County Farm Bureau and Central State University, also was uh, really targeting that middle mm-hmm. school population, really to begin communicating about uh, the opportunities that exist in the you know farm and food space. Well, and middle school is such a key time, right? Because if we we don't capture the imagination or inspire. Um, we often find, not always, but but the likelihood is we we can lose potential folks who who had no idea what they would have loved if we wait too late in high school. Lots of times, decisions get made for folks. So, I'm not surprised actually that so much stuff in the middle school space. So, Marissa, the the program gets approved, and so now it's time to actually think about the components. I want to want to dig into the components of the program as you ran it this past summer. So this is the second summer. It scaled from two-week programs to four week-long programs across three sites. And we'll 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 talk about that in a moment. But but as you really sort of think about what the components of that program are, could you walk us through some of the program components? Yeah. So a lot of the programming is tours and speakers. So the idea behind every tour, every speaker is you're really interested in engineering. How can I get you interested in ag engineering? You're really interested in technology. How can I have you create technology that can benefit farmers? That's kind of the idea. So we do a lot of tours of like the ag engineering department where they learn how to drive a tractor. What is in a tractor? What do we use tractors for? So that you can use your engineering to better agriculture. Some other things that we did was food safety. So if you have a mind for that and you didn't even know that you felt passionately about food safety or that it was an issue in this. What's food safety? Because tell people what food safety means. Yeah. So like food safety is when auditors come in from the state USDA or ODA to inspect food to make sure that it's safe to sell to the public. There needs to be that inspector. There needs to be the person working at the plant that knows the protocol so that we have secure food in this nation. And that has really impacted kids um, from these last six four ag camps. They didn't even realize all the back end stuff that is required to have for us to have safe food to eat every day. So it's just exposing them to a lot of things. And I think I'm really passionate about it because I'm from the city of Philadelphia. I don't have an agricultural background at all. And if I had had the chance to be in a program like this where I was exposed to the many careers in agriculture, I would have realized my passion before college and been able to start the process of getting involved in agriculture sooner. So that's a lot of the programming. It's So when you look at Ohio State, we use a lot of Ohio State's resources, um, Waterman Farm to teach them about dairy, dairy producers and fruit and vegetable producers. Waterman has so much going on over mm-hmm. there. And then when we were elsewhere, we would tour, um, like we toured Dole Foods to learn about mm-hmm. food safety. The thing that I found with the programming is that people want you to come and Mm -hmm. tour Mm -hmm. their facility. They want to come and speak to you about what I do because they're passionate about it. So they want you involved in it as well, or at least educate you on it. And is there a hands-on component for, you know, the students when they go to these places? There's something for them to do there? Yeah, that's the goal. Right. <laughs> um, I like the interactive components the best. So when we were doing, um, when we were at Waterman Farm learning about uh, row crop farming, they got to do soil samples, which mm-hmm. is a really great way to get them hands-on um, learning about those things. Uh, yeah. 
they definitely have many interactive components. Yeah, yeah kids definitely uh, do do best in that environment. One hundred percent. If there's one thing I learned from those camps is that kids don't want to sit and be lectured to for an hour. They want to no. be out there doing stuff. So absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. So Chris, when you think about the bigger policy or economic development impact potential of a program like this. How is, whether it be the Farm Bureau board, the foundation board, or the federation, what do those conversations look like as it relates to being able to justify programming? I mean, that's one of the big things that we always see, right? You know, industries industries are struggling and the best place, best and highest use of dollars often is in your education, your outreach, but it's oftentimes very difficult to make those decisions. What does that look like inside of an industry like agriculture? So, so right now, I think a lot of it's you know driven by uh, certain realities that we're just now starting to wrap our minds around. In fact, one of our uh, key priorities in, in in really building the business case for why we wanted others to partner with us, we we noticed there wasn't a tremendous amount of data within the state of Ohio in terms of you know. A, Let's send kids to these jobs. Well, how much do they pay? You know, or what are some of the things that, you know, parents may have questions about? So right now we're actually in the, the process of kind of finding many of those items, you know, out. So we've started by commissioning a, uh, a survey of Ohio agriculture in the business, you know, climate. And we found some interesting things there. Uh, you know, for instance, jobs in agriculture actually pay a little bit better uh, than other jobs in related, you know, fields, which is an amazing narrative to be able to bring mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly surprised me, you know, quite a bit. So as we've gone out and done some of the baseline, you know, research, we've 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 been able to come back to our partners and, you know, say, hey, we want you to, uh, you know, sign on with us. And, and like Marissa alluded to, most everyone in this space is very interested in uh, solving the you know the pro- uh, problem of attracting more labor, and mm-hmm. they see you know delivering any type of programming to uh, you know kids as being uh, particularly beneficial, and 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 frankly, it also gives them a chance to brag a little bit mm-hmm. and show off what it is that you know they do. Uh, so that was that was really kind of some of our focus, you mm-hmm. know. There, well, and one of the things that I like most about the program is the notion that it was really trying to reach into students who were not already involved in ag. So it wasn't excluding students who come from an ag background, not by any stretch of the imagination, but really trying to balance that so that you didn't just have students who already knew most most baseline or even in depth, right, what, what ag might be, but that you're really trying to attract new people into this industry. And one of the ways to do that is to, to go into bigger cities and communities like Marissa was talking about, but also to, to make sure that the places that you took folks were places that even kids who are already involved every day in ag wouldn't think of. So I'm thinking about, for example, Coalescence, one of the local partners here. So Marissa, could you explain a little bit about what Coalescence does and, and sort of why that sort of taps into the non-traditional thinking about agriculture? Yeah, so So um, Coalescence is really involved with food science. Mm -hmm. So they do a lot of the recipes for how you get certain spices or how do we get food to taste a certain way. They're like the flavors of Doritos, right? Yeah. Come out of there, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty amazing food science. Yeah. Because some of those flavors are bad and some of them are really awesome and some of them are just weird. 
Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so what they do is super important. And what I have found with my traditional ag students when they come, they don't even know that food science is, is that, a thing. Right? Yeah. 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 So it's really interesting to see them with their eyes wide open, like, oh, I didn't even know this was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And for the kids who, who've had no exposure whatsoever, that, for example, that experience, you're tapping into chemistry, a lot of chemistry. Mm-hmm. You're, you're tapping into the biological sciences of taste and smell. And you're talking into, you know, a, a lot of the process pieces that go into the production side on the back end that goes back into those, um, you know, food facilities, whether they be the chip factory for Frito-Lay or anything else, right? So that's one of the things that I really love about the program. And Chris, you've had many opportunities to talk to kids because uh, you get to go to all the graduations. That's right, yeah. Uh, I've been to a few, yeah. but not all of them. <laughs> and so what What do you hear from the students about the experience that for you is was that sort of powerful piece as it relates to, yeah, we should keep doing this? So without question, it's it's kind of the connections that are made. So you even... Even our traditional farm kids that, you know, that, uh, you know, come to the program, every one of them leaves with uh, a broadened, you know, knowledge of, you know, career opportunities. So when we do have our graduations, we ask everybody to kind of share their mm-hmm. favorite experience or maybe something that, you know, changed, uh, you know, hoping to make that connection to, you know, you know, hey, maybe I would be interested in, uh, you know, being a food scientist or working in the meat industry or whatever the case may be. So. Uh, for me, without a doubt, that's that's certainly one of the the coolest in terms of the actual programs that surprised me. That you know the most, we took a, a tour of Bob Evans Sausage Factory, mm-hmm. and I was a little bit concerned about that. You know, frankly, uh, wasn't sure if we were going to be contributing to a lot of salad eaters or how people might respond. <laughs> and it ended up being one of the most the most highly regarded things that we did, which completely shocked me. And I think there was two elements for that. A uh, people actually got to, the students got to go behind the scenes and see something that most, you know, very few other people mm-hmm, actually mm-hmm. get to be able to experience. And we also tied it in with a biotech research company that is using porcine uh, pancreas sales mm-hmm. to, you know, help, uh, you know, fight type 1 right. diabetes and maybe even possibly cure cancer. Yeah, so that's an amazing connection because those kids would not have ever connected all that together. And then all of that comes through that ag lens. They would have no notion. And on this program, we talk an awful lot about the fact that we have to expose kids to potential opportunities, and then we have to give them the chance to actually explore those. And those are two very different things. And oftentimes what happens, at least I see frequently in schools, is we, we think they're one and the same. And they're not. And the magic difference, which is the the piece of the program, the magic difference is time spent immersed in that opportunity. So the exposure can go from, hey, I just have been given lens to this, to I rolled up my sleeves and I've played with this. So Marissa, as you sort of think about the students' experiences, how do you... How do you gauge from year to year and change or add elements in? And let me give you an example. So one of the young men that I had the um, pleasure of getting to speak to, I think at this last graduation, was really talking about um, some of the mechanisms tied to automation in agriculture, which is a big thing, right? Automation Mm -hmm. all over the place and autonomous automation, right? Um, In this case, the kid was really talking about the uses of drones and farming. 
right? Which is a big, big to do, right? And so it's like, I'm not interested in agriculture at all, but I really, really love drone and drone technology. And so I want to be a drone de- drone designer or operator, you know, and this is a great opportunity for me to do it because there's all these jobs. They're, they're looking for people. So how do you make the decisions in real time from season to season about how you plug in what? Yeah. So we always talk about how in agriculture, how the face of agriculture is constantly changing. Mm-hmm. And I think technology is a huge part of that. So when you talk about drones and all the amazing things that they can do for farmers, we just have to be aware, like self-aware. I talk to a lot of people. I get to know a lot of people and they will talk to me about, hey, drones are like a huge thing and your kids might be interested in this. And I think it's when I'm planning these camps, it's diversity of experience. So food science and going to coalescence was a lot of fun. The kids really enjoyed that, but they also really enjoyed the drone experience. Mm -hmm. They also really enjoyed when we went um, creaking where you go into a creek and you learn about all the natural um, (laughs) organisms that are in the river, what makes a healthy river, what makes healthy water quality. And I think each kid is going to identify with different tours more. So the girl that was really into natural resources and how we can preserve them might not have been into the drones, Mm -hmm. but it's giving them a wide breadth of um, diverse experiences that will help connect with each kid with what their passion might be. Right. And so then how how do you capitalize, Chris, on this experience? Because that's 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 quite frankly the big next question. I mean, I sure that one of the questions that as an organization that you have to wrestle with is sustainability. But the next one then is really around that space of how do I how do I capitalize on the fact that X number of students have participated in this program and how do I make sure that those experiences turn into or translate into workforce? How do you do that? Hmm. Well, we're uh, trying to figure that out currently. <laughs> <laughs> But we've got a few good ideas. At least that's our our hope. The first is, when you look at Explore Ag itself, very much by intention, we built that so it was going to be incredibly intensive. Mm -hmm. You're there for a week, and you're going 12 hours a day around the clock. And it's residential, just so our listeners understand. These kids come, they spend the night, there's dorms available. If you did it in your local community, you could do it as a long day camp, but Mm -hmm. just as an FYI. So you, you have them captured. Yep, so we do. And we're we're kind of <laughs> you do we've got them on that hamster wheel, <laughs> yeah. You know, which is great. But right now, uh, we're being very intensive with the small group, right? Right, roughly a hundred uh, right now. We hope to continue to scale that up. So we see that as one of our uh, key strategies. But another is, you know, how do we continue to engage those those kids that came through a very intensive you know program? Hopefully, uh, you know, they come in. It was life changing, but you know. We all have lots of life-changing experiences in our adolescence. Uh, How do we translate that ultimately into a career? Well, we think part of it will be to be very diligent about inviting them to come back to other opportunities. So we're currently scripting out an entire continuum of engagement that uh, includes uh, opportunities for young people who went through Explore Ag programs uh, to continue that outside the summer camp. So we're working with other partners right now uh, to plan uh, career-based, uh, you know, training. So think maybe like a Saturday, mm-hmm. uh, come out, do a clinic. You self-transport to the, you know, to the place you get uh, to experience this great thing. We buy you lunch, mm-hmm. so the costs aren't too terribly, uh, you know, expensive. And our industry partners are absolutely uh, interested in doing it. Sure. In fact, we're mapping one out right now with the Ohio Electric Cooperatives because they're very interested in uh, kind of showcasing that other connected element of agriculture, which 
is uh, power generation mm-hmm. and everything that has to do with electricity. So we're going to take kids to alignment camp and they'll be able to climb poles, but they'll also get to see the chemistry mm-hmm. that goes behind how we generate, uh, you know, clean power and, and all of those types of things. So we think that's an important element to it as well, having that continuum of engagement. So even if you did go through the week-long program, you've got the opportunity uh, to continue your experience. But we're also marketing those clinics more broadly in the hope that, you know, we pick you up because you're interested in uh, uh, renewable energy or something along those lines. And and now you're, you know, you're going to continue and go into some of the other camps. And then the last thing I would mention there uh, is we're also in the process of uh, incentivizing folks. Mm-hmm. So we want to make sure that if you've engaged with us in a rather significant way, when it does time to, you know, seek that next level of training, we're going to be there to help you out in a pretty significant way. So we're creating scholarships just for Explore Our Ag students at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love those aspects uh, of this. I particularly love the opportunity to think about that initial experience and to expand on that exposure and exploration piece, right? Because then I think that the energy cooperative is is an awesome one because, again, coming back sort of full circle around what the heck is agriculture and how many industries play a role in what we think that thing is. And the reality is it's hard to turn and look at or talk about any industry that doesn't have some connection back to ag. And so, you know, that's that's a great way to sort of help and amplify that. Marissa, what what about the opportunity, if you will, to to scale at ready-made audiences? And let me preface this a little bit. So these kids go through that program, they have an awesome experience. And I can say, because I've talked to these kids numerous times, Almost universally, it is an awesome experience had by all. So every participant is profoundly impacted by what they did. And so that's a huge win. So congratulations um, for that. But the other piece of it is those kiddos go back to their communities. They go back to their family farms or they go back to their cities. They go back to their schools. They go back to, you know, their places of worship or their community centers or their sports teams, right? How... How do you take that experience and find ways to mainstream it? Is that through teacher, PDs, helping other folks understand? How do you translate that? That's a really tough thing to do, but for the sake of sustainability and long-term impact, you can't do this without that. So what does that look like? Or what? how are you guys thinking about that? And I know this is a big bombshell I just threw at you. I can see <laughs> even the look on your face. And that's okay. You don't have to have an answer, but... How, and either of you can jump in, right? How do you think about that? Because it's it's a small audience here, very profound, but then how do you take that small audience and turn it into an opportunity to get that same kind of messaging out very broadly across the state that's got, you know, way more jobs available in the ag industry than people who are looking in the ag industry? So I have like two answers to this question. The first one is, is, during the week, we strategically help the students become good advocates for not only careers in agriculture, but agriculture as a whole. So they have a presentation at the end of the week where they talk about a certain ag topic. Um, a couple of them were sustainability, mm-hmm. technology. What does that mean for agriculture? To them, that might just be, oh, like homework during the week. But it's teaching them how to communicate with their peers about a topic. Hopefully, when they go back to their 
community that they can be talking about agriculture and what they learned at this camp so that they feel more comfortable in communication. And then two, as I move forward, it's important to me when I look at strategy for recruitment next year to work with teachers. Mm-hmm. I found that I have recruited the best this last year when I am talking to their FFA teacher or just their their regular school, their classroom teacher. I think that having a strong relationship with them is very important. One, because then they can send their top-of-the-notch students every year to the Explore Ag camp, and they know that that they will plan on that. But also, having a good relationship with them will hopefully disseminate against their, in their classrooms. Mm-hmm. Chris, do you have anything you want to add to that? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so the reason yeah. I, here's the reason I, <laughs> well, here's the reason though that I asked the question. And I think this is where, mm-hmm. how it's relevant to both the Farm Bureau Foundation and, and ultimately I think to the, the Federation of Farm Bureaus as it stretches across the state. Um, you know, I'm just sort of thinking about how, what's the best and highest use of those dollars. So I'm putting on a fiscal hat, right? As organization and entities are constantly funding new programs, right? But we, we always get into these questions tied to sustainability. And, and one of the mechanisms that everybody tries to leverage, and rightly so, is how do I take that experience that's a singular experience and mainstream it? That's the hard thing to do. But at the end of the day, it's probably the most critical component, right? And so I know as an organization, you've you're ferreting with these things, right? Because you have to. So, and and it may be premature. You're, it's it's totally okay to say we're just still working on that. But I'm really curious, you know, how how as a, a community of practitioners, I guess, and partners that, that come and are leveraged in there, how folks think about that sort of ideology. Well, I I I think you use the right word, you know, sustainability, and I I would look at that not just on the standpoint of like. How does you know the funding mechanism you know work, but all our ultimate goal and what are kind of the driving forces you know behind it? So one of the ways that we think about this particular you know issue isn't just attracting young people uh, to careers. Uh, you know here, we're, we, one of the large challenges that we're you know facing as a you know industry and frankly as a society is how we're going to feed ourselves mm-hmm. you know coming in the you know future. Uh, and that's one of the things that I love most about this generation of, you know, young people. They're incredibly driven around, you know, cause. And it, it, every one of them I've talked to wants to change the world. Well, this is a great opportunity for them to be able to, you know, to do that. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure that there's probably any other um, industry that you could, you know, jump into and have a larger, you know, impact, whether it's, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, access to, you know, Foods, you know, increasing our food security or eliminating food waste or any of those types of, you know, things. Uh, so certainly the sustainability piece, you know, is is certainly important to us both on, uh, you know, both of those fronts. Right. Yeah. And, and it would have to be. So as we sort of think about what comes next, Marissa, so you're already, you're finishing up, um, you know, um, this summer. And so you're already thinking about what it might look like next time. Is there, is there any key things that you're going to add in? Yeah. So what I'm very excited about with this fall is to have continuing communication with the kids. So my biggest project right now is how do I engage with them in a way that 
is natural. So social media mm-hmm. is the main way. And I've been having some success with that so far because email and newsletter, I'm definitely going to put together a newsletter and send them an email, but that's just not the way that kids mm-hmm. communicate nowadays. So how can I communicate with them? And I was very intentional this last summer about asking them, what did you think of this tour? What could have been better? After this, would you want a newsletter? What do you want in the newsletter? I was very intentional about Mm -hmm. having those conversations with them. I would like to incorporate more out-of-the-box agriculture. So when I think about the electric cooperative, that's really good. Um, I worked a lot with the opioid crisis Mm -hmm. in my last job, and I think that that's a huge part of the agricultural community. Could we incorporate a speaker around that? How can we support rural communities? There's like so many things you can do with this. And I'm very much of a ideas person. My my mind will run wild if I let it with ideas. Um, so right now it's getting all the ideas down and then pinpointing the ones that I think would be best for the kids. But it's important to ask them mm-hmm. what they want and what they want to see out of the program. Mm-hmm. We were very intentional about that. Well, and just because folks are going to be wondering, I can hear the, the wheels spinning. So mm-hmm. what social media platform did the kids tell you they wanted you to communicate with them from? Instagram. Instagram right Instagram now. was the main the funny one. thing is two years from now, they're going to have something totally different. Totally. Right now. Okay, perfect. Good to know. So I always like to um, to end this program with um, sort of thinking about those sort of high lobs. So I'm a teacher in Tucson, Arizona, let's say, right? And I very much would like to pull together and explore ag-like program. What are the two or three most important things I need to know as I start to build this? Marissa, I'll start with you. What's your last lob to someone who is jazzed, excited, I'm going to go do this? What do they need to know? Connect with your community partners. Um, Connect with your land-grant university, your local farm bureau. There's a farm bureau in every state. Connect with people that know about agriculture because they'll direct you to the best resources and the best places to go for tours. Um, I'm very much of a network-based person. I like having a large network of people that know more than me and I can call on them when I don't know the answer. So if you're someone that doesn't know anything about agriculture but wants your kids to be exposed to that, I would definitely reach out to community partners and community leaders that can help you. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, what what, what was your recommendation? Well, frankly, I would just you know piggyback off that to say that uh, everyone within agriculture is, is deeply interested in sharing uh, what it is they do, whether it's, uh, you know, kind of marketing that direct to consumer, uh, you know, informing, you know, here is the role of, you know, GMOs and things or uh, showcasing careers that do happen within their, you know, field. You know, if you do reach out, I would be very surprised if you didn't get a, a mm-hmm. tremendous amount of engagement because there's such a strong culture that exists within the food and ag space around a willingness to, you know, to engage with the public. So mm-hmm. I'd, I'd absolutely stay, uh, say uh, to go there. Then on the, you know, the funding, you know, side, I would certainly, uh, you know, look up your, uh, you know, local farm bureau and other, you know, farm-based organizations, mm-hmm. your commodities, uh, be, because many of them, this is an important topic. Uh, and they, you know, in the case of the commodities, they, they do have, you know, dollars for education as mm-hmm. part of their checkoff. So, um, and, and many of them are already putting those to work through great partners uh, as you speak. So just be mindful of that. 
Uh, many of them have uh, submission periods throughout the year, and you can you know apply for dollars yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's not actually that hard to do that. And I think that's a really really great point that you make, Chris. That you know the reality is that you can do a program like this relatively cost effective, especially if it's not an overnight scenario, right? Because it's yeah. limiting the different food resources that you have. Lots of communities have programs that will make it possible for summer programs, especially if they have a mechanism for you know at risk high needs populations to have food provided through parks and rec or local community centers. Um, But also the fact of the matter is, like you said, those industry partners want to share what they do with you. And so you could pull together some really amazing day experiences, uh, relatively cost effective. And then hopefully uh, great teachers are, are always really good at taking those amazing experiences that they have with their students and turning them into programs that will impact what they're doing in the classroom every day and at the end of the at the end of the road that's kind of what we're looking for so i want to thank you both for taking time out of your day and sharing explore ag with all of us so thanks for coming thanks for having me thanks so much thank you for joining us for learning unboxed a conversation about teaching learning and the future of work i want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation meet me on social media at annalise corbin And join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education.